Stefan. Again. Another CTO show. This time we're doing something new. We're going to, in the spirit of keeping our CTOs, keeping tech leaders informed, we're going to have a little news section where, where we're going to take news articles that are recent, that have caught our attention, run you through that. Then we'll have the discussion section where we take a couple articles that you have found for amazing CTO newsletter, and we disseminate that a little bit. So if you're in a hurry, listen to the first few minutes. If you want to hang with us, listen to the whole thing, subscribe, check us out. We're only going up. The trend is upwards. Stay with us. Let's do this. Welcome to the CTO Podcast. A show dedicated to all the brave humans showing up in technology leadership roles around the globe. Every week, we'll help you keep track of the stories you missed, the trends that might pass you by, and talk to people that shape how we should show up as Chief Technology Officers. I am your host, Etienne De Bruin, founder of 7CTOs, and joining me as always is the creator of Amazing CTO Newsletter, Stefan Schmidt. Let's go. That tune is copyrighted. So let's, let's do it. Are, we, are you going to read for us? So first thing would be, the first news item is WorldCoin, Sam Altman launches eyeball scanning crypto coin. So there is a news that uh, Sam Altman created a crypto coin, which is called WorldCoin. And the catch is to get into this, you need to scan your iris to provide an iris scan because only this way you can be identified as one single person. And the and future should, the, the idea of the future is to have a, um, uh, an income for everyone, something like that. But for now, it's like, okay, scan your iris. Yeah. And so from the guy who led or leads OpenAI, who has a glimpse into the future, comes from that future and decides, oh shit, we have to scan all the humans' eyeballs. <laughs> So all the questions of Sam, hey, what do you think about the future of AI? What do you think of, where is this all going? Like, and he's like, oh, I don't know. We're going to, you know, I mean, he's clearly read a memo or seen some demo where he's like, uh-oh, we need to go back to the humans and go scan their eyeballs. <laughs> Second thing is Twitter rebranded as X and the Bluebird logo is killed off. So Elon Musk wants to rebrand Twitter as X. So as X.com, the logo goes, is replaced with an X. It's no longer called tweets. It's called X or something. Yeah. The one thing I think is I'm speculating what he's trying to do is every change he makes at Twitter is met with, oh, Twitter used to be this, Twitter used to be that. And Elon is compromising on the, what Twitter used to be. So now he's like, hey, mofos, this ain't Twitter anymore. <laughs> no more complaining about Twitter. It's no longer Twitter. Yeah. And his fascination with X.com continues, you know, from yeah. back in the day. Yes. Next point is excitement over threats from Meta fades, but users return to apps. So the news is like there has been 100 million signups to threats from uh, Meta or from Instagram, however you want to see it. 
And uh, in an interview, Mark Zuckerberg said that he would be happy if 50% would have been come, would have come back. So it's obviously less than 50% of people came back from these 100 million users. And the, other, the second news point was that the Meta currently has 71,000 employees. 71,000. What, what I find interesting from that news story is that Meta said it raked in $32 billion in advertising sales in April, June period, which is up 11% from the prior year. Facebook is dead. Long live Meta. I don't know, but Meta isn't going anywhere, people. It's, 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 it's going to be in our futures. I, I promise you that. Next point is OpenAI can't tell if something was written by AI after all. So OpenAI had a tool to detect AI stuff. I'm not sure why an AI company would do that, but uh, pressure perhaps. But yeah, they had this tool and this tool doesn't work, so they stopped it. The last point is Meta to charge cloud providers for AI tech that it said was free. So they built the uh, LLM uh, Llama 2 and they said cloud providers and probably other companies can use it. And now they think, oh, they, well, if you use it to make money with it, uh, you should give us something. So I think it's still not clear what open source or open or what all of these means in the context of, uh, of LLMs. After 20 years, I think we have an understanding of what it means for software, but it seems that we don't, don't know what it means for LLMs. Yes, well, I think moves like this I see as the big tech companies targeting the big tech companies. I don't think they care about the little devs building little apps. I think they want that. But, you know, if Microsoft or Google is going to take advantage of that, then that's where they want to charge. And I, I think they think that makes sense. But I would be very careful to build my business on top of that.
Okay. Uh, uh, topics, articles I came across uh, and I will use for the upcoming Amazing CTO newsletter. And first thing is something that should concern everyone, but probably is not concerning enough of people, is called Unpacking Google's New Dangerous Web Environment Integrity Specification. So Google wants to put an integrity check into browsers so websites can check if the integrity of the browser is compromised. A little bit like uh, an app can check if the phone has been rooted and then you can say, oh, I'm not running on that phone. And the same should come for web where the website can say, oh, this web browser is something I don't like. It has been tampered with. I'm not working with this browser. Yeah, it's, uh, it seems like if I consider the Sam Altman story, it's like maybe these large initiatives, these groundbreaking AI data initiatives is identifying a key flaw, which is the end user may not be human. Yes. Or, you know, there might be scripts or some things running yes. on the browser or at the end user consumer that could compromise the data. Yes. And that's, I think that's also, especially that, that, that's pointed out in the specification is that the specification wants to make sure, like they want, to, I think something like, uh, are you a robot? this are you a robot capture integrate into the browser so you, they know that the browser is managed mm. by a human. I think in the end it's futile. I think it's, uh, it's futile. We will not be able to detect if something is, is an AI or not, but they at least give it a try. And if, if you see that Google has all the ad revenue and they see a drop by ad blockers and stuff and they see by, they, don't, they, they sell, like they had this huge scandal with YouTube views so where, where it says like, um, a lot of YouTube views have not been in a huge window by a human, but somewhere small on a website autoplaying. And that was a huge thing because companies thought they were paying for something that they didn't get. So it's, it's clear where it's coming from, but um, we'll see. I'm a Firefox user for 30 years. Probably I would need to switch to Chrome in the future because uh, websites will find my Firefox unable to in, uh, check integrity. Or something. And we've run into that, right? This site doesn't work on, uh, on uh, you know, please download Chrome for optimum. I think even Zencaster, which we're recording yes. this on, doesn't like Firefox. Chrome. Yeah. Well, I think, Stefan, what's interesting for anybody listening to this is the GitHub repository from Rupert Ben Visor that talks about the web environment integrity. So go check that out. Yes. And the introduction gives you a very simple, like, hey, users browse the internet. They want to know that when they are at a website that they, you know, when they make payments or when they see ads or when they're interacting with people or when they're playing a game, you know, the users want to know that we're having a, an authentic experience. and so that's the sort of premise, but, but now the solution to that is that websites can request tokens from browsers. Yeah. But that's what, what I said is the pessimistic me, the optimistic me, or the, the business, if I wear a business hat, I think it's very important for a lot of CTOs, all of them who work in fintech, health tech, and everywhere else, 
they might have a challenge identifying users or making sure the integrity has not been tampered with or something. So I think for them, from the listeners, the CTOs who are listening, who are working in fintech, who are working in health tech, uh, human HR tech prep, probably perhaps, this should be relevant. This is something you should know about. This is something you should probably uh, plan for integrating uh, next year. So for them, it's, I think it's, it's, it's hugely important. Yeah, it reminds me of email services, right? Where you have to set up, it used to just be set up an MX record. Now you've got to set up the DCOM record. You've got to set up the SPF record. You've got to set up the DMARC policies. You know, it's, it's got to, the bar keeps getting raised for all these handshakes yeah. uh, to, to prove authenticity. And so I'll just close off that the web environment integrity's goals is to allow web servers to evaluate the authenticity of the device and honest representation of the software stack and the traffic from the device, offer an adversarially robust and long-term sustainable anti-abuse solution, don't enable cross-site user tracking capabilities through attestation, which which I'm not going to complain about that. Continue to allow web browsers to browse the web without attestation. You know, I wonder if this is sort of a, this could also be a backhanded, I mean, isn't Facebook's whole model built on yeah. cross-site tracking? Yes. yes. And this is just another move towards yeah. killing this whole cross, you know, uh, retargeting users, you know. But I don't know if that is the benevolent, like you, I feel like the skeptic CTO in me is like, there's something else going on here that Google has an agenda for all of this. At revenue. There is no hidden agenda. Google doesn't have a hidden agenda. It only has one agenda, which is called at revenue, you know. So um, next item I thought was also very, something very different, but also very relevant to CTOs. That item is a social engineering campaign targeting tech employees spreading through NPM malware. They tell you they are recruiters. And, uh, but to be recruited, you need to clone a GitHub repository to collaborate, like for coding checks and for programming tests and stuff. And then you clone this and you run it, but the NPM in the repository is mal malware, you know, and then your computer is infected. So this, I think it's very ingenious. I think it's, it's, it's kind of, I wonder why this turns up so late in the game. This is something that should have yeah. been like five years ago. Someone could have done that. Uh, so, so why didn't come someone up with this? Um, but so that's my first reaction, but I think it's genius, uh, like in a bad I mean, way, it's like evil yeah. genius, but I think it's, it's kind of genius. And it's, it, um, and, and if you're one of your developers on his computer laptop, on his developer laptop, thinks about a new job, that's bad. You know, if, if, if he talks to a recruiter, that's bad already. But it's not, it doesn't stop there in the future. In the future, he might infect his company computer or the NPN repository or whatever on his computer. And that might, might also slip into your code. I don't know. Hmm. So it gets even worse. And it makes total sense. Like you said, this phishing attack. Hey, clone this repo. Let's collaborate on a coding exercise. Yeah, makes total sense. Yes. And whenever you have been hacked as a CTO, you know it's not, it's, it's not. If you, have a, if you have ever had a, 
and a supply chain attack or anything that goes into your npm or runs onto your on your code you know that's not fun mm. so this is i think that's very dangerous and that's something that sometimes people sometimes um uh ctos coaches ask me how should i start in security you know and i tell them first thing you should do on security is raise awareness like with all your people raise awareness of security that there is a security challenge that you might that developers might be targeted that they should not put any usb stick into their computer and stuff like that or create awareness like have a 30 minute chat talk whatever mm. about creating awareness and this is a good i think this is a good opener if you want to start with security i think this is a good opener to create awareness yes. with employees and especially with developers yes um, if you want to start with it just start talking about it it always reminds me of when i'm at the airport and i want to do some work and i join the airport wifi you know yeah. first mistake the next is the next is also something interesting uh which is the fall of stack overflow and stack overflow is uh, seems to be very open didn't know that but seems to be very open with data and someone looked into the uh, stack overflow traffic in views in votes in posts and traffic has went down but most most shocking i thought is like likes i think it was likes or upvotes uh, on stack overflow has been had have been going down two thirds or something like that So there's a lot less interaction with Stack Overflow. So the developer tool that every developer used, that ev that was core to every developer's experience, Stack Overflow, seems to be like that seems to be the end of the area era. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 thinking about when I as I am still building seven CTOs, one of the our most successful online community tool for seven CTOs is Slack. I have a love-hate relationship with that as a community builder only because, you know, Slack is very conversational and is is async, but, you know, it's got a very short tail. You yes. know, if, if something scrolls off, it's gone. Yeah. So I've, I remember looking, uh, because I love Stack Overflow, I remember going to Stack Exchange and starting my own You know, uh, the company allowed me to start my own st uh, Stack Overflow, you know, like a private Stack Overflow. Did you yeah. look into that ever? No. And, and... I did a little bit with this, with this course, which I think is... Yeah, this course. I love this course. I tried doing it with this course multiple times as well. Um, I, I, I'm a huge fan of this course. It's just too out there, you know, you know humans, it, it's just too hard for humans. But anyways, yeah. um, the thing that... Humans will no longer be a problem <laughs> in the future, so don't worry about humans. You know? This course has got an eyeball scanner now, so to see if you are a human. Jokes. The, but the thing that happened was it gave me a glimpse into the behind-the-scenes enterprise sales team at Stack Exchange. And it was a horrible experience. The, the customer support, the billing, the pricing structure, the, uh, the way I was treated on phone calls. Like, you know, you know, I don't, I was just really suspicious about what the heck is going on with this company. Uh, so yeah. it was, of course, sold to, I think, Process or someone in 2021. And, you know, I, uh, I, I just think 
I'm my, this is my guess is that I know ChatGPT happened. I'm just wondering, and I don't know this for a fact, and, and maybe someone can respond to this, but I feel like, you know, this is an example of a company losing its way. Like you sold yeah. the company to some sort of conglomerate in the Netherlands. Yeah. And, you know, now you have issues around mission statement, data usage, support, you know, and, and, and I'm just wondering if, if this was bound to happen regardless of ChatGPT. I don't know. It would make I, sense why it would be ChatGPT. But I'm just saying for everyone listening yeah. that I had a really terrible experience with, uh, with the Stack Exchange company trying to get my own service going. The sad thing for me was the private service or the private Stack Exchange community that I could set up for seven CTOs was fantastic. It was a great tool. There's no knowledge gap. Everyone knows how to use Stack Overflow. The yeah. upvoting, the questions, the responses, the karma. Or whatever it was, the points. Yeah, that yeah. that stuff was fantastic. It, it was yes. such a great tool. Batches. So, the Stack Overflow snatched defeat out of the hands of victory from someone like me. In I just did not trust the company. I was concerned yeah. about the data. One of the things they said to yeah. me was, "The data does not belong to you." And I was like, "Why would I? Can I download my data? No, you can't." I was like, "What the heck?" You know, I'm not going to do that. Was there a was there a time where you could actually you could actually download the source code and just host it yourself? I feel like that was many many years ago. But if, uh, this, then this might have ago. been sort of part of the old. Was it Joel Spolsky or yes. who who created? Yeah, yeah, maybe it was Joel part Spolsky of that. together with the coding horror guy. Yeah. Was a, a guy who had uh, this block coding horror, which was huge back in the day. Yes. Um, and obviously, Joe Spolsky's blog, Joe Learn Software, was yeah. even even bigger. Huge yes. thing. No one remembers. But uh, so much wisdom lost in that. Uh, in that uh, yeah. Like, like lost like trains, in, uh, rain, uh, like tears in the rain. So, I think that uh, 2021 uh, uh, is, nice, is, is a good time to sell, I think, probably. I wonder if they knew something I didn't know in 2021. About ChatGPT, no, perhaps it's, it it was like, but then if you buy this and in 2021 you think, I don't know, you know, but but probably there's always someone who wants to buy yeah. something that everyone else thinks, oh, that's not the future. Yes, uh, I think that's a great point. Uh, getting out of it while you're ahead. I mean, that's one of the reasons we sold our company. My company was, I co-founded a company around that built a CMS. You know, in 2003, 2004, that was great. You know, yeah. one install yes. of a website. And in 2012, 2013, we started seeing the writing on the wall. Like, you know, CMS was becoming completely commoditized. You know, Squarespace, all these companies were coming out. And so we sold basically while we were ahead. Yeah. yeah well, my wife sold her startup because we wanted to move. We wanted to get out of the game and she sold her startup and, and we moved to the sea, we moved out of Berlin to the sea. And it was an event location platform. Uh, you could search for event locations. Uh, it was called uh, Event Sofa. And uh, yeah, we sold it. And then shortly after COVID happened. Hmm. So. Which, which meant uh, not a lot of events going on. Yeah. 
also maybe, good time. Maybe there but was Stack a... Overflow in 2021, I think, is an excellent time. Yes. Cool. Uh, next team, next topic, last one is diverse teams feel less comfortable and that's why they perform better. And it's an older article from Harvard Business Review. And it essentially says, some, they, they cite several studies why you should have diverse teams. And one study they cite, I think is most interesting, um, where they had two team setups, a very homogeneous team and then a very a heterogeneous, diverse team. And they had to solve, solve murder his mysteries. And the diverse team was much better at solving them. But the homogeneous team thought they were much better. So, you know, they, it Fascinating. So the, yeah. Yeah, I think the, you know, diversity in thought, diversity in experience, is a is a prerequisite for innovation and and problem solving i mean that's just a fact and this doesn't surprise me i love that the article emphasizes that it feels less comfortable you know it it, it helps people realize that you know comfort in your team isn't the holy grail it's not like oh i have to have my yeah. team feel comfortable yeah it is how do i how do I push my team for more safety, trust, openness, inclusivity? And to me, these are, I have a great friend, Erin, who talks about these aren't issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. These are issues of human rights. Yeah. And the ability to enjoy working with diverse teams, diverse thought, you know, and it, it includes senior versus junior, the, uh, the willingness to participate in that discourse and be a valuable team member. Uh, these are not, you know, these are not optional things. These are, these are no. this part of the human experience. But I, I have two hats on, on this one. I wear two hats on this one. I wear the moral hat and I wear the business hat. And, you know, what you said with about human rights and, and stuff, and I think it's also about fairness and all of the other things for diversity. And I'm I'm huge proponent with that hat. I, I struggled as CTO for diversity because like all the developers are kind of the same. So it's 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 a challenge. It's an uphill battle. Diversity in technology is an uphill battle. Uh, I made so many mistakes, talked to a lot of different people, learned a lot about my mistakes and uh, got better. But that's a, that's also the, that's a moral hat kind of. But then I think there's also this, what this article is about is it's a business hat. You know, it's not only that for moral reasons, that's a good thing or for human rights things or, you know, but it totally makes business sense because like, uh, like we have a lot of talk with CTOs, I had a lot of talk with CTOs, with my coaches, and it's always about productivity. And this means essentially a, fa a, a feature factory and throughput. And obviously with, if you have a homogeneous team, throughput is higher, you know, because if everyone is 25, everyone has, is from university, everyone watches the same Netflix stuff. So everyone is the same. There is no friction. You know, everyone has the same ideas. There is no friction. There is no discussion. Everything is fluid. Everything is fast. Everything is efficient. But it's not about efficiency. Mm. 
software development is not about efficiency. Software development is building the right things. So with the right ideas in the right way, and you're much better building much better things and building things in the right way with more background. And it's, it, this means like different genders, different cultural backgrounds, different age. You know, someone with, with 45 has a different view on things, on features, on ideas than someone who's 25. You know, so, so this creates, this is not comfortable. As the article says, there is a lot of friction. You need to discuss things because there is no common, like, okay, let's, we play Counter-Strike and we watch Netflix. You know, that's not there. You know, there's no common ground. You need to find the common ground, but the results are much better because, mm. because with this, and it's about impact. It's about what you build. It's not how efficient you build it. Perhaps if you're some outsourcing company, it might be uh, the point that uh, it's about efficiency, how to efficiently build stuff. But for everyone else, and especially for the startups I know about and I care about, it's about building the right things. It's not about efficiency. And diverse teams will create much better solutions. Mm. Um, and that's, so I, I like the article a lot because, I mean, you always like the things that, uh, that, uh, that agree with you and the article agrees with me, so I like it. There need to be, I need to be aware of that, but uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, the uh, article also highlights a few things for me. The two things that really struck me was one, the, in, when I'm at work, to gloss over differences or to, you know, if I'm in a multicultural environment to, to I guess, pretend like differences don't exist or to not make it an issue at work. The article talks about instead of glossing over it, you highlight it, you educate, you help, you, 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 you teach the team how to deal with, with differences. Now, the part where diversity can be a problem is, is when people bring different values to the table. and. Ultimately, for me, this rolls up to this idea that we always land on, which is what, are you, what is your mission, vision, and values? And have that be something that is the truth for your company. And, and I would recommend, even for brutally early startups who want to embrace hiring people from different backgrounds, just please make sure that, that you know what the values are of your company what your mission and vision is, uh, because it's going to be hard and I, and I think near impossible for any team. I don't care if it's homogenous uh, or not, but the, the, it's going to be hard to get the team to produce together if they aren't all sharing the same values. Yeah, I, when I, I also, great, great point. Great, great point. I, I also sometimes coach CEOs and lately I asked someone, some CEO, do you have a vision? And he, he said, yeah, I have it here somewhere, you know? And then I thought, well, that's, that's not, that's not the vision. My vision for, uh, my vision for amazing CTO and everything I do in that space is uh, make CTOs creators again. And I know it. Mm. And if you have a vision, you should also know it and not like, oh, I should have it some, here somewhere. Yeah. Vision is a very powerful tool if you wield it right and uh, yes. not enough not enough of my clients and I assume everyone out there um, is using that. Yeah, our, and our vision at 7CTOs is we help CTOs become world-class leaders and 
this is something we constantly regurgitate to each other. Yes. Yes. I don't want to miss this last story though. So that one looks too okay. fun to ignore. Hey, the last story, last story, but you have been warned. So I warn you about the story, but this is uh, the last story. And, and uh, don't forget all the stories should be linked uh, in the description below. So, and while you're down there, you can leave a comment and also you can subscribe and also you can put a thumbs up, but you go there because in the description are all the links. Love it. Last story is replacing my best friends with an LLM trained on 500,000 group chat messages. <laughs> I think the title says all it doesn't it. it I mean, it, it leaves out, it leaves out that this was like kind of a, 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 a juice group. So, so you can imagine the, 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 the 500,000 uh, chat messages, but the results is uh, the AI performs rather well and, and simulates uh, essentially the friends and the group chat. Yeah. I, I heard it. I heard a, a news story recently, literally a few days ago where William Shatner went into a booth or was interviewed for four days. Oh my God. And he uh, and he answered all sorts of questions, and then they built a model around him so that wow. you could have a conversation with William Shatner. And this this journalist was talking about my, you know, Einstein, for instance, wrote prolifically. He's got lots of letters. He's, he's got, you know, a lot of writings. Um, it'll be interesting to see if we could have conversations with these world figures uh, and, and more yes. closely to home if there's a way to continue chatting with parents who have passed or you yeah. know um or chat with yourself or even you know have a, have a flourishing wonderful online relationship with yourself i had a client or a, a prospective a client lead who, who had this discussion and he wasn't sure if he should take coaching if it's the right thing at the right time now and I said, well, then at least if you don't take coaching, talk to yourself um, because uh, it's, it's formulating thoughts and reading, rereading them or rehearing them makes you think differently. It, I think yes. it's, it's stimulating different areas of your brain um, instead of when, when it just goes around in your head. So if you have an AI trained on you, you can have a chat with yourself. And you know, and they, that that you might surprise you might surprise yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thousands of times I have started to describe a problem to my fellow Dev, and then as I'm describing it, I'm like, "OMG, yes, that is the thing I'm supposed to be doing." And and your developer buddy is like, "I haven't even said anything." The project you're talking about is clonable. So go check out the comments or the, the description and go, go check this out. Um, wonderful. I have one thing left. Yes. I have one thing left. I asked ChatGPT for a tech joke. Okay. So and, uh, are, you going and to, are you going to read it to me and I'm going to have to try answer? Like, is it going to no, be, are you going to deliver no, this as, as a stand-up yeah, comedian? It, it, this time it's, no, I'm not a stand-up comedian. This time it's, it's a question and answer. But uh, yeah, so we can do it like I, I ask the question, you do the answer and then I okay. give the ChatGPT answer. But, but in the future it might not be a, a 
might not be a dead joke. It might not be a thing. Um, so why do joke, ChatGPT joke of the week? Um, why do developers prefer dark mode? Dark, D-A-R-K. Yes. Dark mode. Why do developers prefer dark mode? Maybe because it uses less battery? No, because light attracts bugs. Uh. <laughs> wow. Good. That's all, folks. Thank you very much. See you next week. See you next week. Don't forget to subscribe. See you. Bye. Cheers.